Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Kingdom Driven Family Podcast with your host, Andrea Schwartz. This podcast will equip and empower you to help advance Christ's kingdom through God's primary institution, the family, building a home that serves Christ and His kingdom. the June 5th edition of Homeschooling Help. I am Andrea Schwartz, and I will let you see me, and my co-host, Nancy Wilk, all the way from Appomattox, Virginia. Hi, Nancy. Hello, Andrea. Good morning, friend. Okay, actually, it's good afternoon, but she's being gracious because it's still morning here in California. Anyhow, today we're going to talk about loving your neighbors. So why don't you get us started, Nancy? Well, first of all, you just said neighbors. And didn't the Bible say to love my neighbor? How many neighbors do I have to love? Well, specifically, we're talking today about those people who live in your neighborhood. Uh, it's not an uncommon situation for it to be tense at times if you're a homeschooling family and your children aren't getting on a bus or walking down the street or doing anything like that to go to school. And depending on how you choose to run your homeschool, your children might be in the backyard playing at a time when your neighbors, ones on either side of you or behind you, depending on the setup of your home, or even if you happen to live in a duplex or an apartment, suddenly you have a lot of ears. And there was a time in homeschooling circles where people bunkered down and hid. Uh, The children didn't go out uh, before school hours were done. I know when we began homeschooling in the uh, early 80s, that was kind of the situation. Not that people were going to come around and snag your child or snag you, but it wasn't as accepted or even known about at the time. So I just laid low. Um, went out when it was appropriate to go out. And if we had to go out, because at the time, my mother-in-law, who was elderly, we sometimes had to take her to doctor's appointment. My son got to learn how to respond to the questions of, aren't you supposed to be in school? And, you know, that was the, oh, it's an in-service day. (laughs) And somehow or other, he never quite understood it at first. How does that make them stop asking the questions? But it does. And other times we would say things like, oh, actually, where this is actually part of what we're doing in school. But as time went on, and I homeschooled over a span of 28 years, it became more acceptable and more known to be able to say, oh, we're a homeschooling family. But nonetheless, there are people who sometimes feel it is their duty to act on behalf of the state and turn people in because they think that the children are truant, or maybe they just don't like the noise. Mm. Okay. Okay. So, so we're, we're not going to talk about taking cookies next door. Are are we going to talk about taking cookies to the lady next door? Or are you going to put this in a different context for me, please? Well, we're going to talk about a lot of things, but we can talk about cookies to the lady next door, unless she's diabetic, and that would be something that wouldn't help her. Uh, 
But the whole idea is rather than bunker down, embrace the fact that we're called to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. So that would mean as a homeschooling mom that you pay attention to how your children are acting and whether or not uh, they're irritating the neighbors. You could establish what your rights are. I have the right to homeschool and I have my children have a right to be out here. But the biblical orientation isn't about rights. It's about duties and responsibilities. So the orientation that I'd like to talk about today is how do we win our neighbors in, in the terms of we're a homeschooling family and instead of having a negative view, and we can talk a little bit about why they might have a negative view, they end up with a positive view. And when they hear something negative, they say, oh, no, no, my next door neighbors, they're homeschoolers and they're delightful people. As a matter of fact, dot, 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 dot. And that's the kind of thing I want to talk about today. Okay. So loving our neighbor is not hiding from them, but to, to be um, out there and representing the Lord rightly and teaching our children to do the same, whether it is after eight o'clock in the morning or before three o'clock in the morning or summer or whatever, whatever season it is, but to be able to give an account for what we're doing and what we believe and why that's the right thing and to teach our children to, uh, to really be in the community instead of hiding from them. Right. And so let's just talk about to kind of clear the deck why there might be negative views of homeschooling. Well, first of all, the public school establishment hates homeschooling because for every child that's not in the school, there's not a sum of money that's allocated either by the state or the feds in terms of that child. I don't know what it is in your state, but I think in California, it's anywhere from seven to $10,000 per student. Now, it's sort of remarkable that you can have that much invested in your child from tax dollars, and yet all the stuff that goes on in school, all the miseducation, and most importantly, the lies that don't include Jesus Christ as King of King and Lord of Lords. So that's the first thing. The second area is that sometimes the media will target homeschoolers guilt by association. You'll see it in television programs. You'll see it in terms of there's some sort of, I think it was the Oklahoma City bombing. They identified that that was a homeschooling family or he was attached to homeschooling or something like that. So there's guilt by association so that people will have a negative view. And then, of course, there are people who behave badly. And if they happen to be homeschooling, they are a reflection of that. Now, it's interesting, a public school child can do anything. As a matter of fact, many of them that go in and shoot up a school are public educated, either graduates or flunk outs or something like that, or still matriculating there. But we don't necessarily then, you know, have the media say public schools should be closed. State education isn't a good idea. No, that's the point where we blame the guns. And that's a whole different topic we don't have to get into today. Mental health and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. right. Um, the whole perception of homeschooling, and I think one of the reasons why you start getting negative storylines and things like that, 
had to do with the fact that most people are aware of the fact that public education isn't the best. They know that because those who might not be Christian but are well-to-do, politicians and people in high-level management of high-tech companies, etc., have their children in private schools. So there's a general perception, and I can remember back when my youngest daughter was participating in golf tournaments and parents walk around and people get to talk, there was a perception of, oh, wow, you guys homeschool, that's amazing. And instead of saying, I want to do that, a lot of would say, oh, I don't think I can do that, I'm not capable. But back in the early to mid-2000s, it wasn't a surprise why people would be doing it. So we don't have to assume that anybody in our neighborhood who finds out we're homeschooling has to be our enemy. Now, there might be some who act as enemies, but this podcast is going to talk about ways in which we can engage our neighbors so that we don't have negative situations, that we see potential problems and we avoid them rather than feed them. Okay. Okay. So go. So do you know how many homeschoolers are just waiting for the public school to get out so that they can leave their houses today? Yes, I do. I do. And they may be very prudent for doing so. It may be that they know their situation. So I'm not suggesting that you don't have to have your eyes and ears open. What I'm saying is, and summer is a great time to do this, now that most people aren't expecting to see children in school, they now have situations where they go to the grocery store or they go to the mall and they see children out during the day. That's the time when it's safest, you might say, to start really building relationships. So, for example, trash collection day and the trash cans have been, you know, the the guys come and they've taken what the recycles, the grass clippings or whatever. How about you bring the trash cans in and put it on the side of your neighbor's home? How about if you come home and you notice that one of your neighbors is, uh, struggling with some packages that your children go up and say, can I help you? I know one homeschooling family in Southern California that has a number of children. And she was always aware of the fact that even if they were being quiet, they could be noisy because there were just so many of them. And she would have her sons go over and offer to mow the lawn of a neighbor. And he was kind of a grumpy guy and he would accept it, right? Well, one day he found out from one of the boys that their car, that the family's car had broken down. And he went out and bought them a new truck. Wow. They were astounded. They thought he was a grumpy old man who didn't like them. But he said, your children are so attentive. They're helpful. They're not foul mouthed. They behave themselves. So they were giving a witness, a witness that he, at first they weren't going to receive it. And he said, no, uh, I have this extra money. I don't have kids. I don't have grandkids. I'd like your family to have it. So that's a great example of being a good witness, not expecting anything in return, but getting a very nice truck. My husband's in the car business. And when he found out the kind of truck they were getting, he was extremely impressed. Right, right. Right, right, 
So we so don't we, homeschool to get trucks. We homeschool because that's God. Uh, you know, if God has given us children as Christians, we believe that that is um, part of our call to um, train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And part of that is to love our neighbors and teach them how to do it in very, very practical ways. So not to hide from our neighbors, but to represent him well and, you know, Andrea, you and I both have homeschooled for a long, long time. And, um, you know, we were doing it before homeschool was legal or popular. So the laws are different in all of our states, but it is becoming increasingly uh, common to see folks out, even though for people maybe that are, are, are new to homeschooling or have had bad experiences and maybe just don't know how to address them. So everybody's not in this situation of, right. of feeling uncomfortable to say that they're homeschool. But, um, you know, I think that you're on to a significant point it, to, re to recognize that the goal is not just about academics, but to really to, um, to, to represent him and to teach our children to love our neighbors and for all of us to love our neighbors and not just bring the school home. So, so give me some more practical examples of, uh, okay. of loving our neighbors. Let's say you yourself don't have a problem with your neighbors, but okay. because you are attuned to the fact that you are ambassadors for homeschooling, that means if you're at the grocery store, that means that the reason you want your children to behave is not so you're not embarrassed, although that's not a bad reason, that the reason you want your children to behave is because our light is supposed to shine. We are supposed to be salt. And so I would make an effort in terms of as somebody compliments your children, as somebody tells you, wow, your children are very well behaved, that you say, yeah, well, that's one of the things that we focus on in our homeschool. In other words, you could, as you say that to the clerk who is irritated with the neighbor next door who is homeschooling and is noisy and leaves trash out there, like those I said are behaving badly, you can at least offer another point of view. And so I think that's so much in line with what Jesus says to let your light shine. In other words, somebody gives you a compliment. Oh, your children are very articulate. Yes, that's what we work on in the public speaking aspect of our homeschool. Or your daughter has a lovely voice. Well, thank you. I saw to it that she would have lessons. And you know, the, the best part about lessons for homeschooling students is the teachers just love dealing with them because the kids can come at 11 o'clock in the morning. So you might see us getting in the car at 11 o'clock and being back at one. It's because she has her voice lesson then. When my daughter, we ended up recording a CD, we passed it along. It was a Christmas CD. Everybody on our block had a little envelope that said, Merry Christmas from the Schwartz family. And they got a CD. It was Christmas music. You know, they were used to hearing Christmas music at Christmas. And we shared it with our neighbors. Uh, mm -hmm. We actually organized a neighborhood watch once where we had, I had a friend Who's, who happened to be a homeschooling dad, who's a policeman. And he came and he did a neighborhood watch presentation. And we got to know each other, all the neighbors, and we exchanged emails. And 
Now they have these things called next door so that the city, I guess, has come in and done it themselves. But it was an effort to say, hey, we all live on the same street. We'll watch out for each other. So I have neighbors who'll say, will you watch our dog or will you pick up my mail or I'm expecting a, a package and we're going to be out of town. These are neighborly things to do. And I'm not suggesting that only homeschool people do this, but in order to have homeschooling be associated with the Christian virtues of um, charity and helping other people only helps us in our pursuit to get more people to consider homeschooling. Right. And even if those people don't consider homeschool, um, then we are available. We're available during the hours when most moms and most kids and most dads have left the homes and they've left their communities and their houses is empty. But what about that elderly neighbor next door who might need um, some help with something? It's good for them to know that you are home and not to be hiding from them, but to say, Hey, we're here. We're available. We want to do right by our kids, by before God. And if we can help you, let us know. Right. Right. So it's really limited only by your imagination as to what to do. Um, I've never done this. My setup isn't really set up for it, but I know of one woman who, and this had, this was, I think she was a homeschooling mom, but her idea was that instead of having her picnic table in the backyard, she put her picnic table in the front yard. And in oh. the evening in the summer, she'd invite, she'd have lemonade there and she'd say, hey, come over, sit down, let's talk. And people came and sat down. At first, they thought she was a little odd, but it became something she regularly did. And then when she discovered other Christians in the neighborhood, she and the, they would get together and do walks. And they say, let's prayer walk our neighborhood. And so they would they would go up and down and they would pray for their neighbors. And if they ran into somebody, they would talk to them. And it's amazing what you find out, because if you listen to people, they will tell you things. And apparently with my friends that I talked about who got the truck, um, that man was listening to what they were saying in terms of um, their own family life. So it looks like we got a question here. So let me see if I can scroll down, learn how to do this. Okay. Um, Tom Jenna Dyer uh, says, I think there is a new generation of homeschool families that are becoming more and more isolated because of social medias. Neighborly acts are dwindling for far rapidly. People, including myself, seem to be growing up more and more antisocial. I really need to make a point to be more neighborly. Exactly. You know, let's say somebody decided they wanted to fracture the Christian community. You'd be hard pressed to come up with something better than Facebook <laughs> because you can have fights on Facebook. You can be extremely impolite to people on Facebook. and They're not going to come up and swatch in the face for what you just said. And the truth is, if you were looking face to face with somebody, you wouldn't say those things anyway but everybody's looking at their device and they're interacting with their palm and this, this, you know, iPad or, or computer or smartphone or whatever it is. You'd be amazed at how many people are startled by personal social interaction. And if we want to embrace the idea of localism in terms of affecting our culture, 
There's no better place to start than with the people you see all the time. How many right. people, I mean, here's a great check for people. Go up and down your street and see if you can name the family name of the people who live in the various houses. If you can't, maybe you've got some homework to do. Now, right. I'm not going to suppose that all neighbors are nice. We actually have a neighbor who, for whatever reason, is pretty grumpy. And there are times when my husband comes home from work and his dogs come running out. Now, they don't bite, but they make a lot of racket. And sometimes they're nipping at my um, you know, husband's leg. And he once kind of shooed the dog away with his foot and the man took exception. And it didn't really, now we're long since done with homeschooling. So homeschooling would have had nothing to do with this. But it became apparent that this wasn't going to resolve really well. And so we made some changes. Now my husband brings his car into the garage, as opposed to my having always put my car in the garage. So when he comes home at night, he can close the garage door and he doesn't have to encounter the dogs. Or if he does come back and he sees the man has just come home, because for some reason they always seem to come home at the same time, he waits in his car and he waits till the man goes inside. So the approach of let's be friendly, because we tried that and it didn't work all that well. And I don't know what else is going on in this man's life. So except I do know. I do know that he has a very ill father who's elderly and he goes and takes care of him. So we decided we could give him a break. Okay. He's not fun to interact with, but we understood something about him. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm suggesting that we do things like that preemptively so that when problems happen, which they will happen, you know, your kid will break the neighbor's window because the home run went right through the kitchen window and things like that. Those are opportunities to come and demonstrate that as a Christian, you are knowledgeable of biblical law and you know that you need to make restitution and you fix it no matter what that neighbor says. Oh, no, no, no. That's fine. That's fine. You say, no, it's our responsibility. And you teach your child to deal with the effects of what he or she does. Right, right. That is a huge thing that we need to learn how to do. I remember some years back, I was babysitting for another homeschool family. And at the time, we were not of the Reformed faith. We didn't understand about biblical law. But our, my kids and her kids were playing with um, a ball in the house. And somebody bumped something and a picture fell. And my concern in telling the mom was that your kid's okay. He didn't get cut. And she said, oh, oh, I'll fix it. And I was so surprised that she wanted to fix that. I mean, we're talking about $3 worth of picture glass. And she wants to make sure that her son fixes it and apologizes to me. And my thought was, you know, this happened, but your kid's okay. So it really is um, very noticeable. It's very, very noticeable when we step up and do the right thing and say the right thing and can give an account for what we believe and why we're doing the things that we do. So you know, last week I mentioned the book I had written called Family Matters. 
And mm-hmm. one of the stories in that book is a real life account of how one time my son and daughter were left at another person's house while all the grown-ups were out doing some sort of Christian fundraising event that we were all going to. And they were supposed to be supervised, but the boys got a little ruckus. And as they were cleaning up after the spaghetti dinner, they started throwing spaghetti. And my son knew very well that there's probably never a time to throw spaghetti. But since the boys who lived at that house were doing it, he was like, okay, we can do this too. So he flung the spaghetti and the kid ducked and it was his spaghetti that hit the wall. (laughs) So of course, when we came back, now this is, I get fictionalized name. That's why I always say that my books change the names to protect the guilty because these are all true stories. Anyway, I was mortified and it was like, okay, what are we going to do? And the lady said, don't worry, I'm sure it'll come off. And I said, no, my son needs to make restitution. And so we set up a time and I said to her, what is it he can do? She says, well, he can wash my windows. Now the, the stain had come off the wall, so there was no permanent spaghetti stain. And at first he was like, well, the other ones were doing it too. How come they're not washing the windows? And it was like, because you're my son. They're not my children, but you are my son. And so he washed her windows. And then when he was done, we went home and we pointed out that now you can be forgiven because you made up for what you did and not, but, 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 but they were, doesn't matter. You're our child and you are going to do what God's word says. So even the mess ups can turn into a teaching opportunity for your child and an obvious way in which you can demonstrate to either your next door neighbor or one of your neighbors. In this case, it was a family friend that you take responsibility seriously. Yeah. It teaches that to our neighbor and it also teaches it to our children because loving our neighbor and loving our children is not just about um, emotional um, or a sentimental value attached to them or having warm fuzzies. It's about doing the right thing um, according to God in our relationships with them. And, and once we leave the confines of our own head and have to deal with another person, we're talking about social issues that we need to learn how to do correctly. And well, if uh, the family the, is your first church, school, workplace, um, whatever, then this is where you learn it. And parents, don't be surprised when your children manifest themselves as sinners. I mean, if you're shocked that they're sinners, you need to go start reading the Bible again, because it shouldn't surprise you that they will do sinful things. Right, right. So, um, so let's go back to our, our um, friend who had the question about um, about socializing that socializing needs to happen for the kids as well as the adults so uh, let's talk about some of the things that the adults can do um, to to start connecting with each other so the moms don't feel so isolated in their task Well, again, you have to evaluate where you are, what the circumstances are. I know a lot of homeschool families struggle with the next door neighbor has kids. They go to public school. I don't want my kids playing with them because, quite frankly, I don't like the way they behave. I don't like the way the parents discipline. So that's going to be a challenge. 
but you face that challenge by having prepared how you're going to deal with, well, you know, I just really don't want my children playing outside in the street. That's just something that we do. And my children are scheduled doing various things. Or if you would like, they can come over here and you size up whether or not it's a good idea for them to play together. I think nowadays people are so sensitive to potential physical and sexual abuse that if you have a policy that basically says, no, we just don't let our kids go anywhere. It's not personal, but we're just sharing that, you know, we're certainly welcome to do things together as a family. So you have to plan. You have to plan how not to offend people because sometimes acting on your principles can appear to be an offense against them when it's really, you're just operating on your principles. And so it might be a good time to explain to that neighbor why you homeschool. And mm -hmm. instead of judging her harshly and saying, well, you shouldn't have a job outside the home. And if you were home, you could homeschool your children. No, that's not how you win friends and influence people. But what you can do is explain your position and you know, be willing to talk about it. Because rest assured, there are things about her children being in a public school setting that she's not thrilled about. And so right. we listen and able to, you know, address that. Yeah. Um, it, it occurs to me that when we're doing this, one of the things that we have really found of significant value to the, from the Chalcedon Foundation is that it reminds us consistently that the word of God is our objective standard. And so if we don't look to that, Andre, then I can have certain rules in my homeschool and you can have certain rules at your homeschool. And as a Christian at my church or your church or whatever, but God really is calling us each and all to an objective standard. And only as we come to recognize that, will we be play uh, in a sense playing with each other or working with each other or getting along with each other on equitable and, and righteous terms. And you just hit the nail on the head. If as parents, we don't know God's law, there's no way we can teach it and enforce it. And instead of enforcing arbitrary laws, which you don't want to communicate to your children that life is full of arbitrariness and whoever has the most money, whoever is tallest, whoever is strongest, he's the one that prevails. Another funny story that I would like to share is that uh, we had a next door neighbor. He doesn't live here anymore, but he had at the time and he was repairing a fence and his fence and our fence obviously were the same fence. And my daughter liked to be outside and she just would chat with him. And he thought that was fine. It, it helped him, you know, pass the time. Anyway, we all knew that he worked for Mother's Cookies. Mother's Cookies, he was the driver that would bring all the cookies to all the grocery stores. And it was not uncommon if he saw us to say, okay, here's some cookies or whatever. So my daughter figured he wasn't going to offer cookies. And so she said, Mr. So-and-so, by the way, do you still work for Mother's Cookies? And he went, oh, my goodness, I totally forgot I've got a bunch. And so she came back home with a big smile on her face. And she said, look what I got. And I said, oh, how did you get that? And then she told me the story, very proud of herself. And I said, you tricked him. I said, mm -hmm. you're going back right now and you're bringing all the cookies back and you're going to tell him. And I went with her. 
that, you know, you set him up because you knew that if you said that he would give you cookies. Well, of course, he was like, no, you don't have to do that. And I kind of nodded to him and said, uh, yes, I do. And so he accepted them back. Now, in the future, when he saw us, he would still give us cookies. But I had to communicate to her that that was a certain form of theft with what she was doing. And when he understood why I was making her go back, I think we went up a couple of notches in his book. Uh, did he, you know, tell everybody that homeschoolers were the best and that his neighbors were the best? But it was a positive interaction and it was something that helped. Very good. Very good. Well, Andrea, I think I'm supposed to be keeping up with the time and I've enjoyed this conversation so much. It's getting away from us. Okay. Have One thing I'd like to do, I have to see how I get this. Okay. This is the book I would like to recommend. It's available from Calcedon and it's called In His Service. And the subtitle is The Christian Calling to Charity. It's a book that might surprise you, but it orients you just to what Nancy was saying in terms of having biblical law be the foundation on how we express love to all people, to all those who we come in contact with. And then the subject of this broadcast, specifically the people who we actually physically live next to. And I think that uh, you'll be enhanced by the orientation. It's not go out there and just give people things it's to recognize the fact that the most important thing we have to give people is the knowledge of Jesus Christ as the savior for sin. And then everything else sort of falls into place after that. Exactly. He's not only the savior for our sin, he's the Lord of all. All of life. Absolutely. All right. Well, You've kept us on schedule. Um, thank you. And thank you, people, for watching. Feel free to share this with other people and invite them to participate with us live where we can handle questions. And if you would actually like to send some questions in advance and let us know things you'd like us to talk about, we're definitely open to it. Although my friend Nancy and I never seem to have a problem figuring out things to talk about. That's true. That's true. That all right. All right. So we'll see you all next week. And thanks for joining us. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you for joining Radio Choice in the Kingdom Driven Family Podcast. Whether you have a family in self-government as a key national means of transforming society, please visit thekingdomdrivenfamily.com and reconstructionstoradio.com. Thank you.